Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Detour Life. Detour Life is a game changer for both family law professionals and clients alike. Detour Life is an innovative online program which guides clients to easily input and organize the exhaustive document and financial disclosure process and provides professionals with streamlined and secure case management. In addition, Detour Life has comprehensive client onboarding, a secure document repository, income and expense sync, parenting plan agreement features, and much more. I use Detour Life myself, and honestly, one of my favorite features, and one that my clients love as well, is that they can securely link all of their financial accounts directly to the Detour Life platform so that their information is automatically uploaded and updated as time goes on. So whether you're getting a divorce or are a divorce professional, I urge you to check it out yourself Go to Detour Life, that's D-T-O-U-R dot L-I-F-E, and sign up for their free 14-day trial. Then use code SUSAN20 to get 20% off the cost of subscription. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Expect it. Again, expecting it and not being shocked by it is how we get our power. Doesn't take us down, I say, all the way under the covers, but we're just like, oh my gosh. And then we have to move up the level to the degree. If we were completely blindsided, that would have put us under the covers for a week. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I have a special guest. In fact, I think I've known this guest longer than any other guest I've had on the show. I was thinking about it today, Tracy, and you and I have known each other since way back when I lived in Connecticut. We both lived in Connecticut for many, many, many years, but I'm very excited to have Tracy Malone with me today. Tracy is the author of a brand new book. For those of you watching the video channel, Divorcing Your Narcissist, You Can't Make This Shit Up. And we know that you can't make this shit up. So first, Tracy, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It is like seeing an old friend. I am so glad to be here. That's what I was looking at my calendar today. And I saw that we were taping and I was like, ah, this is, I mean, we really go back. It's got to be 20 years, sir. I think it's more than 20 because uh, you were my first divorce attorney and that would have been 20 years ago. Okay. So there you go, everybody. <laughs> You're in on the, uh, on the inside story there. Tracy and I have known each other all the way back when I was a much younger attorney, <laughs> 20 years younger. And Tracy was going through her divorce, not with um, perhaps the person who gave you the lessons that then helped you to write this book, but started your journey along the way. And then you have gone on since uh, we both were in Connecticut to 
go through another marriage, a marriage that did have aspects that we'll go into in this interview, but that has now led you to really be one of the leading voices in the world of surviving narcissist abuse, in the world of becoming, as you say, love the phrase, a Sir Thriver, because you are a Sir Thriver. You've been through the process. You're not just in this world talking about theory. You are in the world of dealing with narcissists, divorcing narcissists, protecting yourself from narcissists, thriving after narcissist abuse because you've lived it all. So I wanted to kind of start there. I told you, you know, I, I read the book and one of the things that really jumped out at me, which it's hard to get somebody's attention when it comes to the dedication. But I was reading the dedication. First off, I want to say thank you. I donated or I wrote a few tips for the book and I'm very grateful to have been included. But your last dedication was to your abusers. And to me, that was incredibly impactful because you thank them for taking advantage of your kind heart and that although they thought they could break you, uh, because you had emotions, you're dedicating the book to them, essentially because you've come out better, stronger, and as a survivor on the other side. Why did you decide to include that? Because I'm releasing them. It doesn't hold any power over me. And it's it's sort of my, it's not a forgiveness. It's a letting go. And what you did, sticks and stones, you didn't break me. Sorry, it doesn't work. And, you know, you thought you would break me. But, you know, thanks to your mischievous, malevolent behavior, you've actually made a career change for me. <laughs> yes, when you and I knew each other back 20 years ago, um, and you were going through your divorce, this was not your career. You were not a, a specialist and survivor and coach and all the many things that you are today helping people go through mm -hmm. narcissistic and heal from narcissistic abuse. So you really did create a whole new world where you are helping people. I would say, you know, you have a, a website, several websites, actually. You have Facebook group where you support people. I'm going to have links to everything in the show notes. but. Honestly, the culmination of it all has to be your book, Divorcing yeah. Your Narcissist, You Can't Make This Shit Up. First off, everyone, I want to tell you, this thing weighs about 20 pounds. This <laughs> is not just a quick little glancing blow on what you need to know to divorce a narcissist. This is, I told you I was going to call it the encyclopedia. If you need to know it, it's in here. Uh, this is a very comprehensive book with not just what you need to know and what you need to know about it, but you have so many real life examples in here, mm. including your own, but many others. Where did those come from? Well, we used to have a form on my website to submit the tricks that were pulled on you. And I, I would tell you that there was over over like 1,100 that came in and we, you, we gathered them from my Facebook group and sent them there as well. And they would write like documents four pages long without a period, without like they must have been doing it on their phone. No, no paragraph breaks. And we were like, oh my God. So I'd be like, okay, this one was a trick to kids. And this one was this. And, and I just kind of had to break them down and just identify what was the point that they were getting in here. Yes, there's a lot of tricks, but I wanted to teach people that if they could turn off the electric after they move out, 
put the electric in your house. I wanted to sort of balance it with the lesson that that person who had that happen wished they had known beforehand. You do that beautifully in the book. You tell the story and, and the stories are what people are going to read and go, oh, oh yeah, or oh, that sounds familiar or oh, I get that. But you follow each story up with the lesson. And that is critical. And in fact, I told you, I think one of the most important lines in the whole book is actually on the back page here where it says, if you are aware, you can prepare. I, I feel like Johnny Cochran saying, you know, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. But if you are aware, you can prepare. As an attorney who has dealt with cases where someone with narcissistic personality disorder is involved, there is no more critical phrase in the entire situation than if you, you need to know what's coming so that you can prepare for it. And that's what this book is. It's hundreds of pages of making you aware so that you can prepare. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's, it, to me, it's, it's because it's such a myriad of stories. I broke down a whole chapter, like financial trick, courtroom tricks, criminal tricks, children tricks, uh, you know, broke them down like that, but they're sprinkled throughout. But I think the important part is that we don't want to instill fear by saying, well, these are things that could happen, but just that they might. And if they do, here's what you do. Like that's where my brain was going because as I gathered all those terrible things that had happened to people, people were like, I wouldn't want to read this, Tracy. It's too scary. So <laughs> we had to really go, how do we extract the, the important parts and give warnings for them? Really good point with that because I hadn't looked at it from that perspective, but you're right. The things that a narcissist might do it, it can be scary. I mean, they are, let's talk about this fact. You say this in the book, you need to come to terms with the fact that you've been abused, that you are a victim of abuse, right? Mm -hmm. They, they do some pretty crappy stuff. Right. Right. And then when they come to terms and understand that they're a victim, it's a validation piece that helps them gain strength to get through the rest of it. Right. If you're still like, in denial about what happened and no, they love me and da, 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 you know, sure felt like love, but they actually no, Right. So if you get to that point of that validation, then it takes some of the personalization out of it. Like, why are they doing that to me? Oh, they're doing that because they are going to do that. I should expect it. Right. That's such a big part of like identifying, I started the book with, you were a victim. You have to understand that. You don't want to live in victim. Nobody wants to live in victim. If you're here three years later going, oh, you know, you haven't healed. But to, to grab hold of the next level is to understand what was being done to you. Yeah, such a critical point that you just made there. I do want to highlight that because to, I, for people to hear this from you, you don't want to stay in the place of being a victim, but acknowledging that you have been a victim and understanding that there has been an abuse or type of abuse perpetrated on you is a part of the healing journey. Uh, so you can get beyond it, not so that you can stay there. Right, exactly. Again, yeah. you just have to you know, step on that rock and then keep on walking across the river. Yeah. And that's, you know, another point that I think of when we're talking, because I know you and I 
no. There's a major difference between the jerk that your spouse can turn into when you're going through a divorce mm -hmm. and a person with narcissistic personality disorder. Absolutely. And there's a, I, I think there's been for the past couple of years now, you know, this tendency to call everyone a narcissist. It is critical to understand the difference. I, I wonder how you explain that to people. Well, there's a cruelty that happens, right? Um, they have no moral compass. So you're questioning things that they're doing that in your wildest dreams, you would never expect them to have done that, you know, depending on how, how your marriage had been. Some are rocky and crazy the whole time. Some really get amped up when the divorce papers go in, in play. So, um, you know, they just aren't going to be there for you. They're going to do things against you from hiding money and assets and stonewalling and, you know, criminal charges and, and projections. They're stealing and they're accusing you of stealing. None of it makes sense. And it's so confusing for the person. So that's how I would summarize is they're going to do things that you have like you couldn't even fathom they would do before closing your bank accounts or you know um maybe opening bank accounts or credit cards in your name and running them up to a hundred thousand dollars like who would think someone they've been married to for 40 years would do that right but these are the kind of things that separate from the average jerk or the hurt and wounded i don't want to give you money kind of jerk right to no this is malicious this is calling child protective services on you and accusing you of of being a bad mother or a bad father this is way over the top that you really can't make this shit up <laughs> <laughs> great great point with that and i do think you know going back to your your catchphrase if you're aware you can prepare one of the really important points of having a book like this having this understanding of what's coming and and these little we'll we'll get into some of these tricks you can expect but when you are unprepared the person who's on the receiving end of having the police called on them, uh, you have this happen to you. When you're unprepared for that to happen, you be you. Your reaction is usually irrational, disbelieving, and is actually hurts you rather than helps you. And it happens in courtrooms all the time when they lie in front of a judge, and you just can't believe it. So you start yelling in court, "That's a lie." Guess who looks like the crazy person in the courtroom? Exactly. You know, it. they did that on purpose. It was like, you know, orchestrated and they know what buttons and what triggers to push to get you to point. And then usually they record it. If it wasn't in court, then they just show all your friends. See, I told you she was crazy. Look how angry she was. Well, the part where they angered you isn't in the recording. So Right. Or like in your case, they've gone through and cut and out all of the parts that didn't help their case and gave the police only the parts of the tape. That... Exactly, exactly. But that's, I think that's a great example, actually. What happened in Tracy's case is her ex had taped a conversation, then went through, cut out portions of it that showed her being reasonable, re-recorded the part where he said, I want you to leave, I want you to leave, I want you to leave, and just reinserted it seven times, I think it was. Yes, it was. Good memory. See? <laughs> Well, it stands out because I thought actually when I was reading that, I was like, that's a really good example of that over the top, cruel 
and malicious behavior that sets a true narcissist apart from your jerky ex. Absolutely. Again, the same person that's going to call Child Protective Services, and it's it's not once, it's five times. I have clients that are, you know, over and over and, and some narcissists, but not all, but they can get violent. And, and, you know, I talked to someone who, who has had 16 bones broken by her narcissist. We just have to know that if pushed, they react. And no matter how they are going to react, it is all to protect themselves, to control you, to bring you down, to cost you more money, and to hurt the kids. So these, these are things that are very, very real. Right. And, and very unfortunately, very common when you're dealing with that level of a narcissist. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I think that's what sets it apart. They are not arguing over the children because they want the children or what's best for the children. The children are a weapon to be used against you as part of the, the process. Same thing with the legal process, with the attorneys involved in the case, with the other family members all around. And they're very consistent in that. I will say there's one thing, if we can take a little comfort in narcissistic behavior, the only comfort I think we can find is that they are very consistent in their behaviors. They do the same crappy things to people over and over again. Yeah, I actually thought of calling it the book because everyone goes, do they have a book or something? How do they know what to do? And I was like, that's a good name, but no, it wasn't exactly. I didn't want to involve them. I want to help the the survivors. (laughs) Right. Well, which is that that's very much what this book is. And I can tell, you know, because you have so many of those stories from people um, who have come to you for help. I mean, you've helped thousands and thousands of people through this difficult process. And one of the things in the chapter, it's chapter 10 in the book, I, I kind of wanted to hone in on this because for me, it really goes to the, if you're aware, you can prepare the, um, idea because you talk about, you mentioned it earlier, the tricks to expect. Mm-hmm. And if I can emphasize something to listeners, you know, underline this folks, highlight it, write these things down, take notes, read the chapter in the book, whatever you need to do, because these things are going to happen if you're divorcing a narcissist. So the first one you point out is obstruction. Let's talk about obstruction. Never giving anything they're supposed to, waiting to the last minute. Um, My ex was in contempt six times in six trials. And on the seventh, if he didn't bring in some papers, he was going to jail. Um, So that is just you know, the obstruction of I'm not going to do that. He wouldn't let me have my tax returns, just all kinds of like little hurdles that make it much more difficult for anybody. So we can expect that we can expect, you know, them to not fill out anything. We know what obstruction is. They are just going to do it everywhere they can. So don't expect them to be kind and get their paperwork in. They won't. Oh, and I hear how many times do you hear that, right? Like he was supposed to have his paperwork done two weeks ago and we still don't have it. The other thing you just mentioned, and I think it is important you have this in the book, but I do want to mention it. Everybody thinks, well, there's a deadline. He's supposed to, or she's supposed to have done something by then. They're going to get in trouble. And the reality is the court system doesn't exactly work that way. Yeah, not the family court. This is not you know, like Perry Mason, this is not where we see it on television. This is 
how could they get away with that? How can they do that? I mean, if I don't hear that 10 times a day, how could they do that? Who does this? And why would the court allow them to do that? But they just keep coming back like rabid dogs. They just do. And they, they are very good at pushing the boundaries. So there may be a deadline, but they will have some reason. Very often it's not even true, but there's no way to prove it in the two minutes that you're standing in court when they say it that they couldn't get the paperwork done because their house burned down or you know something like that. So very you know good point. Obstruction and it's usually that like you aren't giving them access to the tax returns that they have, right? They're always going to project that. That's where projection comes in because even if they're obstructing, they're going to still blame it on you. Right. Well, and that was that's the next one to expect, right? Projecting. And I have to tell you, this is one I will never forget a day. There was a narcissist in my life and they came in and something had happened in the world. It was like, you know, there was a war in Serbia and they came home and within two minutes, that war in Serbia was my fault. The conversation that we were having, right? There is the a, a true narcissist can somehow in their mind make anything your fault and they'll do it in your legal battle. Oh yeah, absolutely. Expect it. Again, expecting it and not being shocked by it is how we get our power. Like yeah. it doesn't take us down, I say all the way under the covers, but we're just like, oh my gosh. And then we have to move up the level to the degree. If we were completely blindsided, that would have put us under the covers for a week. Right. Well, and when you go under the covers, you're not actually dealing with the issue. You're just dealing with your emotional content around the havoc that once again, they've brought into the process. As opposed to if you're standing in a courtroom and they project onto you or they're, they're obstructing what they're supposed to do and you expected it, you can have some strategies in place for how to deal with it. And there, there's the big difference here. Hey, it's Kate Anthony over at the Divorce Survival Guide. Susan said it would be okay to pop in and talk to you really quickly about my new program, the Divorce Survival Program. See what I did there? Look, once you've decided to get a divorce, you may feel a sense of relief. The decision is finally made. But at the same time, you're likely feeling a sense of foreboding of what's ahead. There's a huge mountain left to climb. And if you've never gotten divorced before, especially divorced with kids, there's a lot that you don't know. You need a deep dive into the divorce process, STAT. That's why you're listening to this podcast right now. That's also why I created the Divorce Survival Program. In the Divorce Survival Program, you'll learn how to have the most difficult conversations of your life with your husband, your children, friends, families, and even nosy neighbors. You'll learn how to set healthy boundaries in high and low conflict divorces. You'll learn how the legal and financial processes really work, whether you should or can seek support, and you'll be taken through the process of emotional healing. And of course, you'll learn how to start dating on the other side. In this one-of-its-kind program, I bring together top experts from around the country, including the amazing Susan Guthrie, who share their wisdom in exclusive interviews not available anywhere else. And of course, there are over 20 videos in which I speak directly to you 
answering your most pressing questions. The Divorce Survival Program is a self-paced online program available for purchase now at divorcesurvivalprogram.com. And if you use the code SUSAN, you'll get $50 off the already super low price now through the end of the year. Again, that's divorcesurvivalprogram.com and use the code SUSAN when you check out. And now back to Susan's amazing episode. Stay tuned for more from my conversation with leading narcissistic abuse expert and author, Tracy Malone, on what to expect when divorcing a narcissist, because forewarned is forearmed. So the rich narcissist ends up being a much more toxic kind of situation. The tactics they can use can deploy a lot more like spyware and and put money behind really tracking you and making your life miserable. Whereas on the other hand, if whore narcissist is out there, like you are just meat and they are searching for who they can get money and assets from. Half from you and half from the next one is a good living for them. Listeners, if you're finding this episode helpful, we have several more episodes in the archive from leading high conflict experts such as Bill Eddy, Megan Hunter, Lindsay Ellison, and more. So be sure to check those out. Here's a sample from our number one episode of all time, Divorcing a Narcissist or Borderline, How to Protect Yourself with Bill Eddy, episode 192. The way people present their case, just presenting it to a lawyer, to hire a lawyer, presenting it in court, presenting it to an evaluator really matters because high conflict people communicate emotionally. You have to also engage the emotions of the lawyer, the judge, the evaluator, mediator, etc. by being simple, by being repetitive, by having some emotional words and a lot of facts. And now we return to today's show. So what about another trick they love to play is diversion? Oh, it's like the shell game, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? But but we're doing this. I mean, it is so classic, but it is always, you know, um, if again, they're not getting their paperwork in, they'll accuse you and make a whole like motion because you're missing page nine of the American Express bill, which is what happened to me. And it was a blank <laughs> page nine and I got yelled at and we're fighting like, you know, all these different things over this thing. And I'm like, but he still hasn't given one single thing. And you're complaining about one page nine with 5,000 sheets of paper, right? The diversion was attack me, put in a motion. But meanwhile, nobody's looking at him because now this is the, the hot thing we have to fight over. So they're always diverting attention from themselves. And of course, that could also mean blaming you and accusing you of things. The example of the credit card statements, I have to tell you, I've seen that particular instance <laughs> so many times. And it's always when the one attorney sends over the paperwork and all statements from financial institutions, for some reason, leave one page blank at the end. And at the very bottom, it says this page left intentionally blank. So a lot of attorneys in the old days when we copied everything and mailed it to the other attorney we'd leave that out to not kill more trees and then you'd get this whole thing well it says page one of nine but i only have eight pages but that right and it was an empty page meanwhile 
not one sheet of paper, not one financial disclosure from them. Very, very common. Or you missed or were 10 minutes late to the evaluation, the you know child custody evaluation. Meanwhile, they've never even met with the evaluator, but yeah. you were 10 minutes late because mm -hmm. of traffic or something like that. So yes, diversion, always expected. Yeah. These are, these are their, you know, this is their little toolkit of, and they'll, if one gets thrown out and it doesn't work, expect them to throw another one out next, right? They're going to go dig in, in that little box oh, yeah. and they might, they might pull out stonewalling. Mm. Well, stonewalling is where, you know, they're just not giving anything in, right? They're stonewalling, they're lying, they're, they're, they're deflecting, they're just not handing in as the example of, of my husband and his papers, right? This is all part of it is to just wear you down and rise your bill up. Well, and they do love to rise the bill up, right? They love to use the, it's another way of using the court system as a weapon, by, I call it the war of attrition, right? They just wear away at you until I remember and reading there, a there's story. There's a method to the madness. There's a method yeah. that if they can like wear you down financially, then you're not getting what you should have gotten because it's all going to the lawyers, which was what happened in my case. Right. And honestly, your lawyers don't really want it. I mean, I, I mean, there are certain attorneys out there that do, but in the end, I, most divorce attorneys would rather see a couple manage to get unentwined and right. move forward with their lives. These cases take on, though, a life of their own. And that's another sign that you're caught in a narcissistic you know, struggle as opposed to just an acrimonious divorce, perhaps. Mm -hmm. The case that never ends Mm -hmm. And, you know, really can't, you can't make any headway because of that stonewalling yeah. is, is, is really a classic sign. And then and the other one, hire, they'll also fire a lot of attorneys. Oh yeah. That's just another tactic. You're like, but we have a hearing date. We finally have a hearing date and he changed lawyers. So that's gone and we have to start again. Yeah. They, oh, and they do that all the time. They change the lawyers right before a hearing date. And then they file a motion for continuance because they have a new attorney. Exactly. I always say I would actually, by the end of my practice, when I was representing clients, I wouldn't take a case where on the other side, there'd been three or more attorneys because uh, it was just a classic oh. sign classic sign that we were getting into a bad place. And then this is one that our, our mutual friends over at uh, High Conflict Institute, Bill Eddy and Megan Hunter call frequent filers. You have to be expecting them to file motion after motion after motion. Yes. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the amount of things that they will complain about. And again, they're mostly petty, nothing that makes any difference whatsoever, but they're just throwing that again, raise your bill. The tactics and the, the strategy behind it is we'll throw all the stuff at the wall and see what sticks. You know, if you're sitting here playing catch up to defend yourself about you didn't steal this or, and you know, whatever it was, you're sitting there back paddling and they're just watching and laughing. Yeah. Laughing internally. They don't do it. They yeah. come across as so calm and, yeah. and well, in court together in court at home. They're going, yes, I got her. <laughs> <laughs> well, and those motions and all, one of the other things about that, is, and I've told clients for years, motions for the most part are still filed on paper, even if they're e-filed e with the court, we still have to print up a 
uh, put in motion. So I always used to say to clients, paper won't refuse ink. So they can say anything they want in those motions. And there's usually not a ton of repercussions if what they put in there turns out to not be true. But meanwhile, you're spending a lot of time and energy instead of being focused on what you need to pursue, what your goals are, you're, you're dealing with their allegation, their bullshit <laughs> they, they're throwing at you. Here's my friend. Yeah, I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> Came out. So one of the things that I know you've talked about and you talk about in the book, and this is something that most people, most of the authors that I know, most of the experts in the realm of high conflict or narcissism don't make this distinction, I think it's a really important one to make, is the difference between how a wealthy or well-heeled narcissist will come at you as opposed to one who has less resources behind oh. them. You call it the difference between a rich and a poor narcissist. Yeah, I, I had to put that in. So I, I list the overt, the covert, the malignant, blah, 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 you know, all the different types of narcissists. But then I said, we need to really clarify the differences between a rich narcissist um, and a regular person and, and a poor one, right? The rich narcissist, again, this is the ones that have the five-year battles. These are the ones that are like at you. They've changed 10 lawyers. You've changed five lawyers because they just give up on you. It is just like relentless. They always go after the kids. They're just like so uncooperative. And again, lots of lawyers who might be the rich narcissist, like to represent themselves or really screw it up. So now your lawyer doesn't even have somebody to send it to, you know, and it's like, okay, we're sending it to him to tell him to stop that, but he's the one and, he, you know, it's just a game. So the rich narcissist ends up being a much more toxic kind of situation. The tactics they can use, you know, can deploy a lot more like spyware and, and put money behind really tracking you and making your life miserable. Whereas on the other hand, if you were married to someone like, let's say you had a house before, they will come after you and never stop. I had a girl that, that was in one of my groups for a long time. She was married for two months and they bought a house and after two months, he called the police, had her arrested because she was reaching for the pot of coffee and he said she was going to hit him with it. And she got arrested, got kicked out of her own house that she had bought and put all the money down on. And it was a year divorce because he wanted her house. And like it was it was you just can't make that up like she's she was married for a total of four months before she asked for the divorce. And yet he's going, no, I deserve it. I do it. I do this. He conned her into getting on the joint checking account early. And then when she made the deposits on the house, it was joint money, even though it was all her money. So very complicated. And again, the poor narcissist is out there like you are just meat and they are searching for who they can get money and assets from half from you and half from the next one is a good living for them. Right. And that's something to be aware of. Maybe they are very motivated by meeting their own needs and mm -hmm. you very well might be sort of the next ticket on the gravy train, so to speak. And so flip side of a more well-heeled or more, uh, you know, a narcissist with more wealth or more resources. And let me point out, very often those resources are not theirs. 
they are their families or their other supporters because they are also able to bring in these people. They can con, trust me, I've seen this, attorneys into thinking they're the you know abused victim and attorneys will come in and fight the fight for them without getting paid full fees and all that. So you, you can see a lot of different ways that they are able to manipulate um, the situation. Expert witnesses, like, yes. you know, lots of rich people call in like 20 different doctors to tell them that you're crazy when you've never met any of the doctors, right? <laughs> yes. They listen to one doctor tape of a conversation that you almost participated in and they diagnosed you. Copy, right? Yeah, that one. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, that's mean, but you know, no basis. And they do hire a lot of expert witnesses, particularly if there's children involved, um, just for, you know, just to get you. Yeah. You know. Well, there is an overriding goal to get you, but there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about, because I think, you know, I've, I've mentioned to everyone how, I mean, this is, this is a book, solid, lots of information book, but the one phrase you do not use in here, and I was so happy to see that, was that you do not in here anywhere say, you can beat your narcissist. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that are experts out there that use that phrase. Mm-hmm. Use these three words to beat your narcissist or whatever. The, if you focus, I've always believed, if you focus on beating a narcissist, you are never going to get out of the battle. No, no. And again, every case is different. Just like every recovery is different. Every narcissist is different. They do overlap and all the behaviors sort of seem the same, but it's going to be a different battle. And, you know, there's no three words. There's no nothing. You know, you have to have good good representation. You have to do the legwork. You have to find the truth to the lies and you have to defend yourself. And it's simple as that. So, you know, I didn't want to give them a, hey, here's a one quick thing. No, it's a lot of work and it's going to suck. <laughs> There's no way it, around it. But that's, I appreciate on behalf of everyone who reads this book that you don't say that because that is, that's like saying, take a pill and you're going to lose 20 pounds. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Um, This is going to be, you know, a lot of hours on the treadmill and, you know, counting a few calories before you're going to on the best. I always think that you can hope is to get out as whole and as sane and as quickly as you possibly can. That is winning when you're engaged in a battle with a narcissist. Exactly. Just to get out with something and get out with your peace of mind because you can rebuild. I did. I, I got out with nothing. And, you know, I got some bookcases. You know, I got furniture. Who the hell cares? I don't care. Everything else, my retirement, my life was gone and you can rebuild. And um, that's what's important because this is this is a dangerous game and it's not something you signed up for when you like got engaged. I heard the greatest quote last week. You ready? Yeah, so yeah. marrying a narcissist is all about the ring. First, there's the engagement ring. Then there's the wedding ring. And then there's suffering. <laughs> I saw that on your Instagram account and I said, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> a classic. By the way, go follow Tracy on Instagram because she's got some good ones on there. It's uh, at 
Tracy A. Malone. So go, go and give her a follow. I'll have all of your social media handles in the, the show notes. But now I know this is this may seem like a flip for my listeners because we just talked about there is no magic pill for this. But there are some top tips. There are some, some things to keep top of mind. These are not going to magically solve your problem, but what, what are a few of the things that you would want people to know and to keep in mind as they're going through this? Well, I think some of the biggest mistakes that are, are made in a narcissistic divorce that don't stop the post-divorce abuse are laying out a lot more details. A normal lawyer is going to say, you get them Christmas this year, you get them next year, back and forth, back and forth, you're done, right? But with a narcissist, and I have examples of this in the book, like that Christmas, well, it doesn't say when I have to bring them back. And in the book, there's an example where the husband in this case kept the kids for two weeks because it was Christmas break and it didn't say. So the mother's freaking out, calling the police. How do I get my kids? And they're like, ma'am, it doesn't say when he has to bring them back, right? Every single detail, if they're supposed to sell a house, that's in the book too, sell a house and give you money. And it doesn't say by when, I've been in contempt of court hearings two years later and that motion to comply, motion to compel, blah, 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 they spent $20,000 before they even walked in the door. If it had said within 60 days, he has to have this done. Now he's in contempt. And that's one thing. I have this thing in the back of the book, well, in the book that in the, the, the gray areas of your divorce decree that I call the what if they don't clause. And it is simple that you add in every normal document says both parties are responsible for their legal fees. And we went one step farther and said, but if either party doesn't comply with all the stuff above, then they will be responsible for the legal fees of the other party. So if they don't sell that house and give you the money, if they don't bring the kids back and it's labeled that they have to be back by this, now they're in contempt and you have a different battle. And especially if they're gonna pay the legal bills it's going to put a, a curb on that substantially. Yeah, th those words, that specificity and detail, I will say that is something that is what you want to be looking for when you're looking for an attorney to help you through this. An attorney who understands that level of specificity that is needed, that's one sign. Ask an attorney when you're interviewing attorneys, you know, I've, I always call it the loosey-goosey language. Well, you have Christmas in even years and you have Christmas in odd years. That's loosey-goosey language. It's actually not good in any agreement, in my particular opinion, because it doesn't give a fallback to anyone, but it's especially um, inappropriate in a narcissistic divorce situation because it's just leaving the door open for ongoing conflict and abuse. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and another thing is not planning for the age of the children. So yes. often I see, well, my kid's only five, so we've got preschool stuff in there. Well, are they going to grow? Can we reevaluate oh. just a little line that says every year or every so many years, we can reevaluate it if you don't put in details that go up till they're 18. I'd suggest looking forward and going till they're 18 because then you're not coming back into court. Everything, like this is an expensive process. 
do it once, don't do it eight times. It's it really it, it it blows my mind when people don't think about that fact that the children are this young. You haven't thought about school. You haven't thought about books and and all of the normal things that are going to come as the child gets older. So that's a huge mistake. No contact. Oh no. my. You know, I, I just find that so many people, again, if you're in a co-parenting situation, they can't go no contact. They can certainly have a, a different app that can kind of give them a, a buffer to them. If you are in the middle of this process and they are continuously triggering you, it's not helping you. You're just going to keep going down and down and down. So you have to learn to clean up the stuff that's, that connects you. If you've got your bike in their garage, and they're going to keep calling you go get your go get your bike don't let take it. a friend with you to go get it exactly just don't let these open things be out there because they'll call you up and be like you know your bike's here and they're so sweet and you're like oh man and then you go over you get you get love bombed again and you get sucked back in and you drop the divorce right don't let that happen know what you have to do and get them off your phone block them everywhere yeah you actually say what no contact means is block in block. the book, block. block. And yes, you may have to have some contact if you're co-parenting, but that's whole episode from our friend Bill Eddy on Biff in, in the archive, everyone. Biff, 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 if you have to. Do not get into long extended conversations with them about if they would just do this or this is how, you know, you know, you're a narcissist. So let me help you not be a narcissist. None of that is going to help you. No, not at all. There's no changing them. Just get your stuff and get out. That's, that's a really good point. Let's, let's close with one of my favorite topics. How do you feel about mediation when you're divorcing a narcissist? I think it can work. But I think there's parts that are absolutely essential that you work on them there. You know, getting that parenting plan really nailed down, that's a perfect opportunity. Somebody's in the middle going this and this and this and that, right? Um, if you are divorcing a narcissist and they're willing to go into mediation, my advice is to make sure that you know everything before they con you into going to mediation and they've never given you a single financial affidavit, right? That's often sort of a, oh, we can settle this nicely. And you don't even know that they've got all these offshore accounts or something, right? You need a financial picture of everything before you agree to do that. Because a lot of people, and you can, you can attest to this, they go into it going, oh, we're just going to get along and everything's going to work. But they haven't even looked at financials and they get cut a really bad deal. Yeah, definitely happens. It's imperative if you are mediating uh, with a narcissist that you, I, two things I require, you have to have an attorney who is skilled in the, and, and understands this particular dynamic and you need a coach. Mm -hmm. uh, you, the person who is the victim needs to have a coach to help them get through the mediation process because without that coach, they are going to get lost in the process. They are, they are not going to understand the nuances at play in that room or on that computer screen, which is where most mediations are taking place these days. So two imperative members of the team if you're going to mediate, but it can get you through faster, much less expensively, and believe it or not, with less conflict. Because mm -hmm. 
narcissists want to impress third parties. Mm -hmm. And the right? courtroom is a stage for them. So, you know, if you've got a little thing, and, and again, I think it's important to know the leverage that people can find in something like this, like your spouse cheated on you and they don't want the world to know. Well, that's a part where we have a lot more power because if it does go to court, guess what? I'm telling the world and it's going to be part of the court record, right? So if you can think of the things like that, that are going to help you do better at mediation, that's absolutely essential. I think lots of people have to go by law and, you know, you'll find out pretty quickly if they're actually willing to negotiate. Mine sat there with his arms crossed with his mommy and daddy sitting next to him going, no, I can see them in another conference room, just shaking their head. No, no. no. And we were there for six hours and they never said yes to one single thing. So it didn't work for me, but I know that it can. So give it a good try. I, I agree with you hundred percent. It's the incentivizing them to enter into the mediation process so that they have buy-in and want to be there. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've often found is most people want to be viewed as a good parent or someone who's being amicable in a divorce. They care what the world thinks about how they're approaching the divorce process, whether they're, they actually are or not. They want people to think they're a great dad or a great mom or Mr. or Ms. Amicability. So if you, if you can present the mediation process is something that presents them to the world that way mm -hmm. you're satisfying a need for them so I, I agree with you because you then have a great deal more ability to uh, keep incentivizing them within that construct to get this over with yeah. Well, I told you when we got started and everyone, I mean, it's hundreds of pages of information. So I, I do have to say, please go get the book. It will be available. It's available at Amazon. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, you can get a copy on Tracy's websites. We're going to have all of her information um, in here. If you're going to go through this process, get the encyclopedia so that you know what you're going to do. And Tracy, just let everybody know the best places to get more information about you. Oh, and be sure to, I wanted everyone to know about your beautiful journals as well. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so I've created, well, this one, because we're talking about divorce, is the divorce tracking. For those of you not on YouTube, I'm holding one up, but it's a beautiful divorce tracking journal. Um, I have a toxic parenting tracking journal, a tracking abuse journal, and it has a little page of instructions and then all the blank pages. But it's just like, if you're out on the road and you're at the schoolyard and they haven't picked up your kid yet, like start to record that, to take that notebook and keep track of the lawyer conversations, the mediation conversations, you know, keep track of everything in journaling because it really will help you heal for one thing. The other ones are tracking anger, tracking, tracking your fears, like getting rid of and releasing your triggers. Like those are the power that help you heal. So those are what I made. I made 16 of those and there's like 10 more that I'm hoping the samples come today. So they'll I be out soon. Love that. And I will tell you, a good attorney is going to tell you to be journaling things like the parenting 
lapses and, and that sort of information. So it's helpful in a myriad of different ways, both emotionally for you and they're gorgeous. So for those of you who didn't see it, <laughs> I'll have a picture in the, uh, in the show notes, but so best websites to reach out to you, best place ways to get in touch with you. Sure. So my main website is Narcissist Abuse Support, not narcissistic. Someone else had that. So NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. And on there, you can find all the links to all my social media, to my Facebook group, which has about 15,000 members. So middle of the night, you have a problem, get on there. There's someone in the other side of the world that can sit there and support you. I have an admin in, in uh, New Zealand, so she's up when we're sleeping. Um, so there's always someone there that can give you help. Don't try to do this alone. I have lists of every support group that we can find, and we, we recheck every single month, state by state. So if you're in Florida, look up the Florida groups and get some support and get some help and validation. Most support groups are free, so don't do this alone. I have so many resources, it's absolutely crazy on my website, but you'll find all my social links up there as well. Yeah, and honestly, there there is such a wealth of information that phrase, let's just go back to it. If you're aware, you can prepare. Tracy has pulled it. She's taken years to pull all this together. It's all there. It's a rabbit hole you can go down, but it's also, this is one of those rabbit holes where you're actually going to pull together really valuable information and support. I, I really love that you have the support groups all compiled together legal legal aid for every single state like here's all the legal aid associations for your state for your state um you know domestic violence agencies and shelters so there's everything that you could possibly imagine um that's going to get you through this process and the book has its own little separate like world like if you go to the book resources page boy we've gotten everything it can i record my my spouse well here's your state yes or no look at it right yeah, don't yeah. just record make sure you know the law i have every parenting guidelines for every single state if you are in a custody battle and you have not read what your state guidelines are you're going to get gaslit by your your narcissist that you, you have no rights to the kids you're a stay-at-home mom you're not going to get anything right look at the resources and know your rights because your lawyer's not going to go, go look that up, find it. And you'll find yeah. it on my site. It's, it's so important. This is, there's no situation where knowledge is power is more true than in this situation. And so when you're feeling powerless, the book, Tracy, her, all of her resources, that is where your power lies. That's how you get through. And that's how you get to the other side to be a survivor like Tracy. So Tracy, thank you so much. I'm so pleased that you were here today. Again, please go get the book, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.